Welcome back in, Scream Queens, Horror Fiends, everything in between. Especially you, the shape from Haddonfield. Yes, Robbie and I are so excited to talk about Halloween Kills, the long-awaited sequel to 2018. David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, they're all back. John Carpenter doing the music. Highly anticipated movie. Highly anticipated movie. Robbie, are you there? I am here, sir, and happy Halloween to all the listeners out there. Hell yeah, spooky season, you know. <laughs> Even if you're only here for this month, congratulations. Luckily, you get Robbie again. Everyone knows and loves Robbie who listens to his podcast. Um, kind of a throwback to the real OGs of this uh, podcast. Before I started getting great guests like yourself, I reviewed some movies. So we have to talk about Halloween Kills. Um, Robbie and I wanted to give it a little time. I know I saw it twice in theaters. How many times have you seen it? And was it both in theaters, Robbie? I saw them both in theaters. I saw it once, I believe, the Thursday showing, the kind of pre, mm-hmm. uh, pre-opening pre weekend showing, and then I saw it Sunday night in Brooklyn. Cool, cool. And uh, we'll jump more into it, but were your viewings any different? Like first initial viewing and second viewing, did you get different reactions out of it? Um, the first reaction, I was more baffled, I guess. Um, I, like I think you and I talked about it afterwards and my immediate reaction was just stunned yes. at what I had just seen. Not, you know, and by that, I don't, I don't know if it was positive or not. I didn't know how I felt about it. It was yes. a lot. It is a aggressive movie. Yes. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis did herself warn us in the promotional materials that the film would agitate the audience mm-hmm. and she was not wrong there, but, um, I sat there in the car for about 30 minutes just kind of collecting my thoughts uh and by the time i gotten home i'd kind of parsed out how i felt about it the second viewing knowing where it was going Mm -hmm. something shifted more into focus and other things kind of jumped out even more as you know as either assets or more often than not uh detriments i i could not articulate that in more beautifully um i think if you go into this movie with any expectations you will be so fucking off-centered like i was that was my problem i think i was so anticipating it and i had so many like reactions and ready and what i thought it was going to be and like robbie said it's a bold movie it takes a lot of chances so about halfway through i was totally off the tracks and i was like almost couldn't regain myself the second viewing as robbie said much more into focus um so i'm excited to jump into it uh let's talk about 2018 because you gave me a really good idea to recap what we both thought of 2018. Um, You know, I'll I'll keep the sentiment going. You're my guest. Would you like to go first on your thoughts on 2018 or would you like me to? Um, Go for it. Okay. 2018. I really enjoyed it. I by no means think it's a flawless movie. Um, I think it's kind of on the level of H2O with me. Um, I think it's a very solid sequel. I was excited to see a Halloween movie that actually had some solid direction and paid very well homage to the original one that Carpenter did in 78. Um, I, again, that by no means is saying it's flawless. Um, I think it was a slow moving movie. I really hated the new doctor aspect. I thought that was one of the most rushed and kind of stupid things in the movie. And like that character arc was so dumb in my opinion, but I genuinely liked it. I think some of the complaints were very valid. A lot of people are like, where the fuck are the kills and that type of thing. Um, But if I had to put it in like a tier list of like great, good, bad, hate, it would be in good. It wouldn't be great. And it definitely wouldn't be bad by any means. I kind of have the same reaction as like H2O. 
like it. I like it a lot. I don't think it's flawless in any way, shape, or form. But I did like some of the aspects and the totally different fresh directions it went. You know, i.e. Jamie Lee Curtis pretty much hunting the shape, not being scared of him. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, But again, it's really hard to kind of, for me to have a feeling on 2018 and Halloween Kills until we get the full totality of the story. We have had no conclusion or climax in this story. So it's kind of hard to go there, but... I will say, in my humble opinion, I liked it. I thought it was good. Robbie, your thoughts on 2018? I know we've touched on it because we did the Halloween franchise, but what were your thoughts on 2018? I have to agree. I think that it's, you know, I, I agree in a lot of aspects. I think that it's a beautifully made film. I think it's, you know, when you see the um, the filmmaking team that's behind it, David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, uh, especially uh, David Green, who is a, you know, he comes from indie filmmaking. He's got a real cinematic language that he has developed over, you know, a, a you know, fifteen to twenty year career, um, and he's a talented filmmaker. So I, when he was announced for it, I thought, okay, we're bringing genuine filmmaking back to this franchise because, as good or bad as you think some of the sequels are, um, it's the first time since John Carpenter's original where you have a true, honest to good, like honest to good auteur in the the director's seat. Um, I was concerned when I saw the 2018 film because at that point we didn't know that that was the first part of a trilogy. Yeah. It was it was pitched as a standalone movie, only connecting that one to the 70 original. Nothing else between them existed. So I thought it was interesting. However, with the case of Lori, um, it kind of it was a little bit concerning because it does kind of paint her character into a corner because that connection, you know, we, we talked about how Carpenter felt about making them siblings. It was almost out of necessity just to keep the story going somewhere. Um, but by taking that out, it robbed both Michael and Lori of some sort of motivation. It took, why is he pursuing her and why is she constantly afraid of him? The way that H2O had that kind of motivation, uh, you know, kind of entrenched into it. Um, but I think you know, it's it's tough because I was hoping that Halloween Kills would flesh out Laurie a little bit more. And we'll get into specifics later on, but in, in some ways, it kind of complicated and nullified her arc from, the, from Halloween 2018. And it seems like they did that very purposefully. And I wonder at what point they decided to make those decisions. Um, but I think it's, I think 2018's okay. I think it's got some really good suspense in there, um, some good filmmaking. I think the script is very convoluted. You know, the, yeah. the Dr. Sartain character is really nothing more than a plot device, which, again, in this film, in Halloween Kills, they do pretty much acknowledge just that much, that he only existed to bring Michael and Laurie together somehow. Yeah. Um, so I, I would rank it, I guess, as a soft good yeah. Um it's it has some positive attributes, some good suspense and it's got, you know, David Gordon Green the director, the director's chair so he's uh talented enough to make it palatable and I think considering how how the character of Laurie was kind of adjusted to make her a little bit more two-dimensional in a sense, I yeah. thought Jamie Lee Curtis did a great job and uh that's uh yeah, I'll, I'll save the rest for when we get into spoilers and such. 
I I have to you know agree wholeheartedly. I will say before I knew it was a trilogy, I was a little like disappointed. Almost the same feeling I had going in after Halloween Kills. Um, but once I figured out like oh they they wrote it as a trilogy and this type of thing, I liked it a little bit more because I was like this is literally just setting it up. Excuse me. But as far as I mean, if you're ready, I can kind of transition into Halloween Kills. Um, I, I don't know if you're ready or if you want to talk about 2018 a little bit more. I am ready. Just, okay. That was just to kind of let the listeners know uh, where we're coming from with regards yes. to this reboot. You know, yes. the, the, what's called the Hollow Green, I think they're calling it. Yes. And I yeah. will say this. As far as people who hate on 2018, my thought is, what do you want? Halloween Resurrection again? You know what I mean? Like, it could have been that. They're trying something new. Yes. And and if there's anything that I will say about 2018 and Halloween Kills before we jump into it, it's like, at least David Gordon Green, Danny McBride are taking risk. We're not getting the same cut, dry story there is suspense because you don't see where it's kind of going. So I do appreciate that. I do appreciate when people take chances and don't just cookie cutter the same movie, i.e. Rob Zombie's very first one. You know, it's literally shot for shot the same movie after Michael is Michael and gets out of the insane asylum. I mean, so I appreciate that from them. Um, Halloween Kills itself, man, it is a polarizing film, not only in the horror community, but just in general. This movie, people made over 50 million dollars opening weekend the same week it, it went on streaming the exact same day it went out in theaters that is amazing that is a testament to screen queens and horror fiends turning out showing out and supporting a genre that we love no matter how you thought about the movie if you want good stuff and good artists working in the horror genre you have to support it so congratulations to everybody um i think that's amazing that you know we have all been waiting for this movie and I'll, I'll talk about it when I get into my Halloween kills. I think the fact that it was delayed due to the pandemic kind of hurt it in a sense, but I'll jump into that later more in depth. Um, I think it's amazing that it did that well and people supported the movie this well, because again, no matter what you thought of 2018 or uh, Halloween kills, like Robbie said, David Gordon Green made a beautiful movie. Like, and he really knows how to capture like the essence of what John Carpenter was going for, even in the flashback scenes and stuff. Um, so yeah, you know, give yourself a pat on the back because I think that's fucking awesome. People. What do you think about making 50 million Robbie in the opening weekend? I think anytime a horror film that isn't just a cynical cash grab making a, you know, 50, hundred million dollars is always a great thing. And I think having it drop in in October, uh, having the horror fans know full well that if you want a good horror movie experience, you know you have to go to the theater where it's yep. big picture, Community. surround sound, and you're just going with your friends to, to scream and get scared. And you know, watching them in in your the privacy of your own home is great too. But I think we all know that horror movies they really thrive in a community feel where everyone where you're just kind of by osmosis picking up everyone else's energy and their ang- their anxiety as well. It just oh, yeah. makes it that much better. And both screenings that I saw were completely sold out. And no matter, no matter how I felt about the movie, it was a, it was a joy to be there with them. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, so I, I'm ready to hop into it. I think Robbie and I agree. We're going to give like quick synopsis of our like just general quick feelings towards the movie with no spoilers. Maybe we'll speak on it a little bit, but no spoilers. Um, that way, if you still haven't seen it, 
I mean, what the hell are you doing? It's on Peacock too, people. Like either rent it or go see it, one of the two. Um, but that way, if you maybe got busy or didn't have time to, you can kind of get our opinions without spoilers. And then I will put a hard break in the show and say, we are going into spoilers now. So if you have not seen it, please turn off. How does that sound, Robbie? Does that sound okay by you? It sounds good. And also, if you haven't already, like, just avoid the trailers if you can. Yeah, uh, the trailers are. Yeah, I, I, I talked about this on Instagram a little bit. This marketing, for whatever reason, put out a lot more footage than I think was necessary. So yeah. if you haven't seen it, just, you know, drop what you're doing and, go, yes. and at least go see it. And literally, I wish I wouldn't. I didn't watch a whole trailer for it. I When the first trailer came on, I turned it on. I was like, so excited to see it. And then I watched like one of the first kills it showed in the trailer. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to fucking see this. Why am I watching the trailer? Why? I don't want anything ruined. And so I totally agree with that. And everyone, including yourself, has told me like, I wish I didn't watch the trailer. It did ruin a couple good things in it. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I, I was kind of blessed in that way. But I was just so pretentious in the fact that I thought I knew where David Gordon Green was going with this movie. And boy, was I wrong. Um, my, quick, <laughs> my quick synopsis on this thing is it's batshit. It's the most brutal Halloween movie I've seen. Um, I think the name is very fitting. Um, I think Michael and the kills are maybe second to none, to be honest. I think it might be my favorite um, rendition of him. The problem that comes with that is there's not... A, a whole lot of Michael in the middle. And there's not a lot of Lori in this movie at all. Like Jamie Lee Curtis really isn't in this movie. Um, so I know I said no spoilers, but those aren't really spoilers. You'll figure that out. Um, it's, I don't know. It's just batshit. Um, I've seen it twice and I posted on my Instagram cause I saw it Thursday, like Robbie was saying. And my initial reaction is disappointed. If I had a one word review, it's disappointed. And I would stick by that. And if anything, my second viewing ticked it up one notch to indifferent. I think that's the best you're going to get from me from Halloween Kills is an indifferent feeling. I uh, cannot, I must plead the fifth until I see Halloween ends because I don't know about you. It felt like a giant filler nostalgia porn movie to me. Robbie, your thoughts? Oof, um, I, I, yeah, nostalgia porn's a good way to put it. Um, I, I think you guys, whoever's listening, if you loved Halloween Kills, I'm very, very, very sorry. I will be, not particularly kind to it for this, but um, you know, it's, I'll say, you know, again, with David Gordon Green and his production team, it's a beautiful looking film. I think from the first, from 2018 till now, the uptick in Halloween imagery, the Midwestern feel, it genuinely feels mm -hmm. like Halloween night in the middle of Illinois uh, in a small town called Haddonfield that doesn't really exist, but you feel like you've been there before. Um, you know, it was great to see a lot of the legacy characters back. Um, we will get into spoilers. I wish that they were used much more judiciously and just in more uh, respectfully. Um, I thought Jamie Lee Curtis, for one, did a beautiful job with what limited screen time she had. Uh, Michael is as intimidating and as violent as he's ever been, which, you know, in a movie called Halloween Kills, to your point, can't be a bad thing um the violence is brutal um there's less just kind of cheesy college humor that there was in the and then there was in 2018 with uh yeah, allison's father and like the cops but there, there's a lot less of that what humor there is and we'll get into that is very bizarre <laughs> yeah. I'm, spe I'm specifically talking about the johns if you know big what john, if you know john. What I'm about. <laughs> big john and little john 
we'll get we'll get into it but um it's just there's a you know there's a kinetic energy throughout the movie it's a long movie for a slasher film and it's never boring for a second the script is like just ridiculous absolutely um, ridiculous. i will go into a lot more of specifics but i think one thing I'm seeing a lot of in responses on social media is, oh, well, it's a slasher. It's not Casablanca. It's not Pulp Fiction. What do you expect? I don't we, – we all we all love horror movies. And by extension, a lot of us love slasher movies where in order to keep the plot going, you have to expect that there will be some sort of suspension of disbelief or people doing things that you might not do. I think there's a big difference between that and what the movie – asks us to accept as human behavior. Yes. Um, and that's, that goes from pretty much from the start of the film all the way out, all the way through with a huge spike in that during uh, the midsection, which I almost oh, yes. started giving away. Um, but I think it's, and it's heartbreaking how close they could have gotten it um, with a few more drafts and with a, a lot of these decisions being given a little bit more thought um, with the script being polished a little bit more and just finessed, uh, it could have been an all-time great, not just sequel, but like horror film. Yeah, with, with the ingredients that they had. Um, and that's, that. yeah, I, yeah, that's where I, I'll leave off right now. So one word review. I know it's hard to put you on the spot. Mine was disappointed or indifferent. If you had a one word review that probably doesn't spoil it for the audience. What word would you use to describe Halloween kills? I know I'm putting you on the spot, Robbie. Baffling. Great, great choice. This, Baffled. Yep. This movie, and I will put the hard to find right now. You've heard our takes on it. I'm giving you a chance right now. If you have not seen it, spoilers are incoming. We are going to talk about this movie in depth. We've both seen it twice. So we've seen the movie a couple times. So it's not just an initial reaction. We've both seen it. And explicitly the second time I went in with a notebook, looking weird, taking notes on this movie. So I'm ready to get into it. So if you have not seen this movie, people go see this movie. Cause it is a polarizer. It's a love hate movie. You're either going to love it or hate it. I'm one of the only people I've met. That's a little indifferent on it. Um, but Man, it's a love-hate thing. I've seen it all over the internet and stuff. So go watch it. Make your own, uh, uh, you know, opinion for yourself. But we are going to get into spoilers of it. Um, I know we usually do top 10 countdowns on here. Um, my love list of this movie, things I loved in this movie, Robbie, is much shorter. <laughs> I hate to say that. Yeah, I had like to it? search for things. <laughs> Would you like to get into things we loved or liked about the movie? Let, first, since they're shorter? Yeah, let, let's do it. Okay. Well, one of my first things I loved about it, and, the, and this jumped off from the first time I saw it um, and everything. I'm not going to lie. I think this is my favorite scored horror movie ever. I love the music. And John Carpenter and his son, and there's one more guy. I always forget his name. Uh, Daniel Davies. There it is, Daniel Davies. I think the music in this is probably the most coherent thing of the movie. <laughs> I, I think it does an excellent job of building tension, building, you know, atmosphere, and, you know, keeping the classic bum, 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 but then the at, little subtle add-ons. I don't know what you thought of the score, but I was blown away with how much I liked the score in this movie. 
Oh, the score is fucking incredible. Like even the pre-credits, like when yes. you get the universal, yes. there's kind of like this droning, creepy, like extended legato notes that are coming in. And oh I, I, I immediately was dropped right into it. I was like, oh, this feels different. It's not the classic theme, which we, we of course get a bunch of. Um, and it's not a, a, a cue that we've heard before. But I was like, oh, this I knew right off the bat that if nothing else, this film was going to be dark. Yes. You know, like when you see the Blumhouse, all that, like whatever was playing there, it just creeped me out. And it's just an incredible score. I was actually listening to it during work. I was doing some spreadsheets and whatnot, and I just had that in my ear, and it was just so good. Yeah, and you can literally, like when one of the scores comes on, you remember a scene in the movie. Um, And again, I think you kind of touched on it in your non-spoiler one. I think just in general, like tonally, the absolute 180 it did from 2018. This is a dark movie. It's pretty dark and brooding, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd four, even say, yeah. Yeah, I'd even say nihilistic. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah, that's a great I, way of putting it. Yeah. It is a an exceedingly dark, violent, and just upsetting film in a lot of ways. Not just for the barrage of violence, but just like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. But I... That was the first thing I wrote down. Things I love score. Cause I, I know a lot of people are going back, really? What the fuck? Like that's, what does that have to do with anything? Trust me. If you watch a horror movie with no sound, you'll know how much it means. You know what I'm turn the sound off and see how much a horror movie doesn't scare you or build tension. A lot of that comes from like uh, Robbie was saying, some of those legato notes, some of that tension building, maybe like some light strings in the background that just perk your ears up. And then you, the tension builds that all comes from the score. And man, I fucking love That was even the first time when I saw the movie, I was very disappointed after I saw it the first time I did walk out and go, that fucking score was like the best. I've ever heard in a horror movie like not it's not even really close in my opinion it was incredible and it made me nervous like even just listening to the like listening to the soundtrack on YouTube or whatever like it just I I was looking over my shoulder I'm like I remember what scene this was and I'm I'm why am I looking over my shoulder it's just it's very um it's effective yeah and that kind of leads me right into honestly this is really sad to say the last thing I really loved about this movie, uh, and that is Michael himself and the kills. They kind of go one in, one A, one B, I guess. So n- the last two things. I'm a huge Halloween fan, huge Halloween fan. You know this, Robbie. We've broke down the franchise. Oh, yeah. My favorite of all time, and I know you're the same way because you are a great horror fiend like myself. Again, this might be my favorite rendition of Michael, and I know that might be blasphemous to say, but, like, man, they pulled it off great. Like you were saying, he's just so dark. And they brought back this like childlike innocence of him in this movie. The scene that sticks out the most to me in the mind is with that interracial couple that he is mm-hmm. after he puts the old man on the table and just takes every knife, stabs it, kind of looks at him, takes another knife off the wall, stabs him, kind of looks at like he's playing with him. And his like hands are at chess level. Like, yes. like, like, should I do another one? Like he's just, yes. yeah. So I really did like that aspect of it. Um, I, and again, the kills were brutal. He was as diabolical as ever without, without the last scene feeling like the tank, you know what I mean? Like Jason (laughs) usually is. And that's another thing I know we'll get into further down the line is that fucking ending. What the Jesus thing? But yeah, but that was, I will say I fucking, the way they did Michael, the way they had the kills, the way he snuck around corners and hid in the dark and was the shape again 
Loved it. Absolutely loved that. Knocked it out of the park. That is a great way. That's how I like to see Michael. What were your thoughts on that? Oh man. Well, as far as Michael's concerned, you know, it's even with 2018, it's like, we've seen Michael in so many iterations, so many movies, so many masks. Uh, I'm talking specifically about like the CGI one in HO. We we just, we know this guy front to back. uh, And it's just like, at some point you almost don't even see him anymore. You know, it's just, he's just, Oh, it's Michael Myers. This one made sure that you are intimidated by him. Even longtime fans, like, you know, the scene of him, uh, emerging from that from Lori's house which is like you know just a bunch of you know it's like a fire pit at this point yeah. and he's like he's got the fire in the back the rain pouring onto him in slow motion it's a badass shot yeah. um what they do with his strength i i have questions about um in terms of you know like just uh, speaking specifically about the firemen he's up against a dozen of them with some of them have axes and and uh, a buzz saw and all of a sudden and like he it's just amazing that no one got the better of him but we're supposed to just accept that he is not human and he which never he never was which in, in the fight in in that firefighter scene the only part i liked was before he killed any of them the firefighters just kind of like confused like what's this guy doing like, what is this kinda, yeah i like spraying him like hey man are you okay and then he kills him i was okay with that but i totally agree with you i'm like if you have all these weapons around and it totally correlates to the end too if you have all these weapons around and this guy is such a threat and he's clearly massacring people and you're like oh wow he has superhuman strength why would we try to fight him one-on-one like take our turns with him that's the yeah. dumbest thing i've why would that be a thing why isn't the guy with the saw coming up while he's holding that guy shish kebobbed and like cutting his leg you know what i mean like same thing and my wife made a great point i know i'm kind of jumping around the fucking end to this movie like when they have him down and out and karen gets the knife and stabs him in the shoulder in the fucking shoulder like who would do that like this guy just killed your husband like it's just some of the like robbie made a really good point some of the uh, suspension of disbelief in this movie is far too far for me you know it's a bridge too far (laughs) and i'm and i i do apologize this is supposed to be about I, I things that we liked, right? But like, um, but it's, that's what I was trying to get at in my non-spoiler yeah. is like, for every one thing I really like, I really like Michael and stuff. But then they make all these dumb decisions. They and they, like, they really just that's they kind of overdo a lot of it. Yeah, and and so as far as I liked, you know, I I thought Jamie Lee Curtis did a really. There's a great scene that we'll talk about. Um, or, or should we just talk about it now? Yeah, there's a great scene. Yeah. As we know, um, pretty early on in the film. Officer Hawkins survived his encounter with Dr. Sartain and he gets taken to the hospital in the same room as Laurie. And they have, once he comes to him and Laurie have a really nice scene together, um, which goes a long way in two different things. It really humanizes Laurie from the kind of like dogmatic, he's got to die. I got to be the one to do it that we got from the, from 2018. And it really softens her a little bit and and shows you that kind of vulnerable girl who just, wanted to talk to Ben Tramer and just wanted someone to go to the dance with. Um, That's the first time that I really saw 78 Laurie come through. And uh, it's just a beautifully done scene. It's a great character moment for her and Hawkins, who I really thought was done for in the previous one. Um, And I liked, uh, I thought Kyle Richards as Lindsay Wallace was quite good. Um, We'll get into the, the yin uh, is yin bad or is yang bad? I, man, I don't know. I don't I mean, even know. Especially right now, because I'm so like, 
Ugh, out of it, my head. So the, 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 the upside of having the legacy characters is that, you know, like with Lindsay, with uh, Kyle Richards, Nancy Stevens as Nurse Marion, and uh, well, uh, and what's his name? Uh, Charles Cyphers as uh, Sheriff Brackett. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you have that kind of gravity. We already know them. We know their faces. Um, and it's just what the, f- the script does with them that's a little bit disappointing. But with Lindsay in particular, um, I thought Kyle Richards did a really good job of kind of selling Lindsay's fear and her panic in a great scene in the park. Um, in one of the only unbloody scenes of just genuine cat and mouse suspense. Um, where Michael's, you know, he's already done in an entire car of people, and now he's after Lindsay, and she has to kind of hide in a riverbank somewhere. Yes, that was that was pretty cool. Um, and I loved. I think my favorite performance in the film was Robert Longstreet as Lonnie Elam. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I think he's very underrated in this movie. Really um, underrated. He kind he kind of like. I don't know. He had a much bigger role than I thought he would like while I'm watching the movie. And once we figured out who he was, but I agree with you. I think he was kind of an anti-hero to start the movie and then you really feel for him. But again, going to the thing, I love his character. I think the performance is great. And then they just randomly kill him off. Like it's not satisfying in any way. It's not satisfying. Anyway, you don't get to see it. You've invested in this character and you literally kill him off camera and just have him like halfway in an attic. Like, come on. Like that's the type of shit that's frustrating about this movie. People. That's why I say it's disappointing. They do. It wouldn't be so disappointing if they literally mailed the fucking thing in and we're like, it's a filler movie. We're hanging on to Halloween ends. It's literally (laughs) nostalgia porn, but they're taking these risks and like, they do a lot of good things. So it pisses me off. Cause I'm like, you did this so well. Why did you have to keep going? Like, stop it right there. Right. There's great. Don't keep pushing David. Like, ah, like there's just so many things about it. And that's exactly like the shit I'm talking about. It's like, you're absolutely right. I loved Lonnie so much. I thought that was a great character arc and I thought he would be really cool. And they just fucking like kill him off on off screen. And it's like, Jesus shit like that. Most of it, like by the end of the film, I was stunned how the majority of the cast with with actual names and characters they're gone and yeah. it's like well shit okay that was a dozen people that i really wanted to know more about and that's if we're getting into things that if we're getting to the downside of things i think that starting off with the legacy characters speaking of lonnie oh. i i don't understand why they would go through the trouble of getting these actors back casting and you know an actor of Anthony Michael Hall's uh, resume and stature at, to play Tommy Doyle and then just not really do much with them except Tommy becomes kind of like this annoying, almost Gaston mm-hmm. character with the bat and like, you know, constant evil dies tonight. Marion had three lines and gets killed off really quickly. <laughs> Lindsay again is her, the, Kyle Richards is very good, but I wanted to know, what have these characters been up to for 40 years? How do they know each other? What's going on with them? How, do Lori and Tommy still keep in touch? We have a quick moment with them that's over before you can blink. And we don't get any context for how these people have been carrying on. Um, you know, and it's just, it's extremely disappointing. And Sheriff Brackett, the, the, you know, the, I think this movie was pitched as being the town's trauma instead of Lori's trauma. But when you first meet Tommy, uh, in this one, at least, he's giving kind of the speech at um, a little tavern or a bar in Haddonfield, and he's kind of talking about the massacre of '78, and no one in the audience except for Lonnie, Marion, and Lindsay seem to know what he's talking about because they, obviously they were there for for most of it. And it also it was confusing 
from that scene until the hospital scene, how aware that the town is of Michael Myers and how mm-hmm. aware they are. Because lest we forget, he is no longer a figure that's been kind of rampaging through Halloween, through Haddonfield, sequel after sequel, year after year. He only murdered a few, like three people, three teenagers, 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, and the town seems really quick once Tommy says, Michael Myers is back, we got to get him. The entire town yeah. goes nuts. And like, I'm yeah. like, do you guys even know who that is? Do you know what he looks like? Yeah. It's a, a lot of detail. And I get that's kind of the point he was going for with, and that's that's my biggest issue with the movie. There's two huge issues I have with this movie. That's the I call it the melodramatic middle and the fucking Anthony Michael Hall is a great guy. I think he's a good actor. Fuck that Tommy Doyle role. I hated him so much. Yeah. He's so goddamn cringy. He's so fucking over the top. He's a fucking caricature of a horror movie. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing? This is why. Why why didn't David Gordon Green look at him and go like little subtlety? If a fucking guy was acting that way in a hospital, I wouldn't believe a goddamn word he said. Let alone get a straitjacket. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't go to the point of, yeah, let's chase this fucking guy out the window till he kills himself. Like, and yes, that does happen in this movie. I.e., if you guys aren't aware and are still listening, I'm gonna keep spoiling this movie for you. Fuck <laughs> you. There's there's other people who were on the bus with Michael when it crashed in 2018, and they confuse another a mentally ill patient who's out in Haddonfield looking for help because of his head for Michael. Um, and they pretty much drive him to jump out a window and kill himself in the most like obvious, are we the evil or is Michael ever the melodramatic middle of this movie? And Anthony Michael Hall is Tommy are the biggest turds of this movie. Like the beginning of the movie I liked, then the middle happens. And I'm like, why? What is what is this days of our life bullshit that I'm watching right now? I couldn't get past it. I, I don't hate the riot scene at the hospital. I hate how it was executed. If they said evil dies tonight one more time, I was about <laughs> to throw a fucking rock through the screen. Dude, it was I, so watching it again with a bunch of people who had, I, I, I'm assuming never had seen it before. When Nurse Marion, I think it's about 25 minutes in, she does, she throws out the first evil, that evil dies tonight. I almost burst out laughing. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. These people have no idea how, how much they're going to hear that throughout the next yes. two hours. Um, but with Tommy, for instance, you know, in Halloween 6, look, j- jumping back, the, the Tommy that we met in 78 was a very sensitive, precocious. He loved horror. He loved comic books. The Tommy that we meet in this one bears no resemblance to the one in in 78 at all, not on any level. And I I was thinking even Paul Rudd in in Halloween 6, that was much closer to what I imagined Tommy would grow up as. 100%. You're right. Absolutely. And like, you know, I get it. People, when they're experiencing some kind of, you know, uh, event like that in their youth, it might change them. It could, you know, cause them to go off a different way. But I think as a screenwriter, I would have taken a lot more pains to make sure that the characteristics of Tommy, because um, he's the one who just changed completely, not just the actor, but the character itself, just bears a little bit more resemblance to the one that we knew from the original, right? And also fleshing out, again, does he, do him and Laurie get together every year to do this? Is Laurie part of this group of survivors? You know, are they, have they spoken since then at all? 
because um, when they meet at the hospital, they seem to know each other. Like they buddies, recognize yeah. she rec- yeah she recognizes him immediately, and I'm, I wanted more of that because in the original, Lori was uh, Tommy and Lindsay's kind of surrogate mother at a certain point. She was her she would have put herself in the line. To, she did. She said, "Come and get me." She threw the kids in the in the in another room and kind of lured Michael over to the other room to kind of protect them. And he and, kind of touched you know, on that in the movie. He said, you know, 40 years ago, you protected me. I'm going to protect you. Does he protect her? No, not at no. all. And that's another thing about this Tommy Doyle character. What the fuck's up with his heart on with this old, decrepit, old Huckleberry bat? You're going to cut you. You clearly know how evil and diabolical this guy is. You're going to come out with a baseball bat. A like, bat. The whole time, the whole time like, and then come at him like one handed with it, like not even like swing it to hurt somebody. You know, so I just oh, uh, I hate like, everything about Tommy Doyle in this movie. And ever to be fair, all the characters, you know, you have the the nurse and doctor couple at the bar who are now they're aware that there is a maniac. They don't know. I don't think they know it's Michael at this point specifically. They know that there's someone in Haddonfield who's murdering people, and he's on the loose. They go out. He forgets his stethoscope because Marion was playing around with it. What does he do? He tosses her the keys and says, "I'll be right back." Yeah, and it's that, those kind of decisions in the script where I was like, "Wouldn't you say, babe, come back in here with me? I got to get my my the rest of my costume, or would you just like say, oh, go start the car? I'll meet you in a second. No, yeah. no, no human being would do that. No, I would stay in the bar with everyone else because if he comes in and starts killing, at least I have a chance to get the fuck right. Away. Like stay there until until daybreak yeah. or if you have to. Like no, oh my god, it, it literally feels like with this movie. They knew they were like, oh, well, we wrote a trilogy, so we're going to have these three really great points of the movie, and the rest we won't even work at. <laughs> it literally felt that way. Yeah. Like, it's just, I, it's sad when like I have three things on my list that I'm like, oh, I love that about the movie. And they are big things, don't get me wrong, that they get very right. Um, I do appreciate that David Gordon Green takes these swings and tries to be artistic and make it his own. But there's just so much inconsistency and just like it's so convoluted, especially in the middle. Like, I just don't understand what like if I'm evil, not an evil. Well, it would be evil. But if a fucking riot mob popped out at. Sorry about that. If a, if a mob popped out at. um a hospital and was chasing a guy, they're not going to be chanting evil dies tonight the whole time they're chasing him. That is just, that is the definition of melodramatic. That's and beating the beast. Th- that's the, yeah. It's like, like that's, me- that's, you know, a musical number. I, and again, there were some things I liked. I did the flashbacks and stuff. The flashbacks. Yeah. Done really well. And I love that one scene where he says, maybe he's not looking out. Maybe he's looking in. The subtlety of that was amazing. And I thought that was great and very cool until David Gordon Green beat that dead horse theme. And it was like, Jesus Christ, dude, we get it. We're not mouth breathers. We can understand, man. No, like, like, yeah, throughout the movie, it's evil dies tonight, 40 years ago. And he stared out the bedroom window. Those three lines yes. repeated a bajillion times. That's almost entirely the script. And I, I'm not even exaggerating. No, you're not. Um, they for like whatever really yeah cringy jokes. But sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, no. For whatever reason, they feel like that's they they have to repeat these things for us to get it, and it just displays a kind of maybe disrespects too strong of a word, but just kind of like not trusting the audience to get it the first time. Uh, yeah, 
you know, and it's like evil dies tonight. Well, what time is it? Is it past yeah. midnight? Do, do they mean the night after? <laughs> early morning. Mean, At what mean, point is it early? Yeah. Like I, I don't even, and that's like the whole timeline straight up. Cause if we're considering tw- 2018, this is the longest night considering all that's happened. Like where exactly, you know, all of 2018's happened and only at the, only beyond that into this one are people now starting to become aware of it. That's crazy. Um, and speaking of which, it's also insane. There, there's that little John Big John subplot with a gay couple who's living in the Myers house, <laughs> yeah. which at first I was like, oh, great. Like, you know, they're having, you know, it's a successful gay couple living in this beautiful house. You know, it's, they're trying to, uh, like, it's, you know, it's very, um, it's as a gay man, it's nice to see that in a, in a big budget horror film. And then they really milk a lot of just yeah. really bizarre character motivations for them. And also, it doesn't seem believable to me that once the town is well aware that there's a maniac on the loose and it's most likely Michael Myers, that no one in town either knocked on their door or a friend gave them a call and said, by the way, the guy who used to live in your house is on the loose. Uh, so you might want to just either get out of there or something. Yeah. But but it wouldn't have mattered anyway because once Big John and Little John are aware that there's an adult in the house and he's left a bloody handprint on the, the door frame – they go looking for him with charcuterie knives. Yes, that was my thing. A fucking paring knife. Like and, a little cheese knife. Yeah, and and the humor was kind of funny, but again, it got super annoying with the fucking cringy-ass Marco Polo, Big John, Little John. Like the first time it was funny, and then it kept going. It's like, okay, dude, at some point it's like, this is obnoxious. Like, stop. Stop it, please. It's too much. Like they had a handful of good ideas and decent lines and interesting motivations and motifs. They just couldn't resist repeating them throughout the movie, um, and by the end of it, you're just like, "Oh, it's it's draining." After a while, you're like, "All right, we some yeah. something else, please." And it's just, it's almost. I think the only more fever dream of a Halloween movie would be Rob Zombie's number two, but this thing plays out like a fever dream. It really does. It doesn't even seem real. I'm almost waiting for Halloween ends to start, and Lori wakes up from her like medically induced coma because of being stabbed and like it was all a dream because it really plays that way in my opinion it does it just doesn't it doesn't feel like there's much like flow to the movie it feels more like here's michael he's killing somebody let's go back to a hospital and and backstory 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 hey michael's here now kill back to the hospital backstory 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 subplot of how horrible we are as a society and how much fake news really runs us and like just like it's just it was a little cringy for me I, I, I'll be honest, like depending on how Halloween ends goes, I literally probably would have rather them just boiled this movie down to 30 minutes and made it the start of Halloween ends. It would have been much better that way, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm extremely curious to see. I think that Halloween ends will start with a time jump and I'm really curious to see how that goes. Um, just because of where we left off here with, you know, what four surviving characters. Yeah. Um, well, who knows with Karen? Because they just like act like people are dead, and they're like, "Oh, we don't need them dead. She'll survive. She'll well, survive." We don't, like, even, we don't even know if it happened. I, I, who knows? Well, that but, you talked about fever dream. That whole mob scene, and then into Karen's, you know, apparent murder. The editing of that really suggests, and the, the cross cutting with Laurie and the voiceovers and stuff. All of it suggests that it's a 
imagined sequence, right? I will say that was one of my favorite scenes. I thought it was beautifully done where David Gordon Green takes like the whole background out and it's nothing but black and like the red splatter of Michael and her, like you said, Lori's voiceover. That was about the only part I got goosebumps and then the fucking movie's over with no closure. So it, this is going to sound super vulgar, people, but I'm going to say it. it literally felt like getting a hand job and not finishing this movie. That's how I felt about it. It was like, I liked it, but like, what? It's just yeah. blue balls. It's a blue balls movie, in my opinion. So sorry for being vulgar, but that was my initial reaction. That's why I said it was disappointing is because there's so much stuff that had so much potential and it just never got there. It just never did. It was distracted by some subplot that was highly unnecessary. It was distracted by Anthony Michael Hall and his like over the top meth smoking Tommy Doyle because he never blinked in the movie, I don't think. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I'm more indifferent on it now. Um, I, I don't have disdain for it. As much as people are listening, like it sounds like you hate the movie. I don't hate it. I'm just being hypercritical because we waited so long for it. And this is kind of the first movie us as like a horror community coming out of the pandemic, even though we're still in it, wear your mask, wash your hands, get vaccinated, you sick fucks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like it's the first time we're like, oh yes, this is what we've been waiting for. And I think that kind of hurt this movie. I think... I, I will be honest. I don't think there was any way they could have matched the hype it got. I, I don't. Well, I, I think that, you know, having the script go through a few more drafts would have helped. Well, because, for sure, yeah. you know, like, I, I think when the, when the movie, when I first saw it and it ended, I was lit- I felt the same way that you did, just kind of like not finishing and just I'm leaning forward, my, jaw, <laughs> yeah. my jaw's open, my hands are at the side of my face and just, and I'm looking around for other reactions. Like, what did I yeah. just watch? Um, it was, it's a lot of just energy, a lot of, uh, nihilism and a lot of really just, it's an ugly film in yeah. what it's, in what it's, like you have got, you know, most of the surviving characters from the first one get brutally murdered in this one. And just what it says about like, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of trauma you've experienced before. It doesn't matter what you've lived through. You'll probably die now and worse. So I was really just confused of like what the movie was trying, what didn't feel empowering at all, which I get it. It's a horror film, but like some sort of catharsis in some way. Um, and the movie just ends with a lot of characters meeting really just Cameron's death was, yeah, I'm so, it was so, you know, brutal, of course, like they're all brutal. Um, but it just felt like over, like extremely sadistic to the point yeah. where I got uncomfortable watching it and I was like watching a kid's like windpipe being crushed and like, and I'm like, Oh no, I I didn't know how to feel about the violence. Like on one hand it was, you know, really artfully done. The makeup effects are incredible. Um, But at the same time, it just left me with a really bad taste in my mouth. Almost the entire way through. Imagine how much impact Karen's death, Tommy's death, um, Cameron's death a lot of these deaths would have been if there was maybe half the deaths like you know having that one scene with nurse Marion Lindsay and then the uh, the couple in the back seat how like it was just almost comical the way that that one yeah kind of went down like within seconds they're all dispatched and then she uh the the girl who's just as a nurse is firing this gun he pushes open the car door and she ends up shooting herself and it's like, yeah. what the fuck just happened? Yeah, exactly. Like what? Like I, I don't, I didn't know whether to laugh or be like, just be impressed by the sheer audacity of that. And that's not a good thing. Just like, no. I can't believe that I actually just watched that on a big screen. Um, 
Uh, and like you said, that was a very unsatisfying thing because I'll be honest, like either the ending montage with Jamie Lee Curtis talking over the killing or the park scene was my favorite of this whole movie. I thought the park scene until the kicking of the door open and making her shoot herself was the absolute best part. The tension it built. I love the. There's some guy in a white mask playing peekaboo with us. And like, we're not, we're not fucking two. And that was awesome and like when Lindsay's hiding under the bridge and he's standing right there and you're waiting for him to grab her and you're like please don't i thought that was excellent but yeah and then it does that and it's like why 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 would you do that right now like you said it just takes you out of the moment so sorry it I just does. Jump no no it does like and you you really hit on the problem with the film it's artfully executed but the the soul the writing of it the way the the a to B to C the points of the screenwriting is just absurd in a lot of cases. The and we like you know including in things that I loved. I think we both loved the flashback scene, which is probably yes. my favorite scene mm-hmm. because it's so accurately uh, called back to Carpenter style um, yeah. with that kind of the wide shots and the kind of seventy eight suburbs uh, tone of it. The Myers house, like you know, I, I was stunned at how they nailed it. And then Dr. Loomis coming in for a hot second, which I really thought was CGI. And I was, I was watching it in Dolby digital, which is like super high definition. I was leaning forward. I was like, that is amazing CGI. I come to find out that it's actually the, uh, one of the kind of coordinators on the film done up in 12 step prosthetics. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. See, I thought it was CGI. That's I thought that's it was too. And I was like, that's incredible. Like, how did they do that? But it is, it just goes to show you like how much work they really went into you know, the gore effects, the makeup effects, really top notch. Like I'd say even Oscar worthy for yeah. all the gore and Dr. Loomis alone. Um, yeah. But then it's just the scripting. And like, I really could go on and on all night about the, just the moment to moment screenwriting that I just didn't work for me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in the same boat. It's just, I, again, you could have cut, you could have cut 15, 20 minutes out of this movie and it would have been, you know, much more effective in my opinion. It felt a little bloated, especially for a movie that is so willing to be a filler movie. Um, one one thing I did like about it, I don't know if you caught this or how you think about this. I did like the fact that it went back to 78 and Michael, when he's surrounded, surrenders. He just surrenders um, and they're about to execute him. And now that he's older, he does not surrender anymore because he's like, mm, I know what you guys are going to do to me. I mm. thought that was kind of a little cool thing. I don't know how you thought about that, but I also did kind of find it really cool that Loomis was just going to, you know, knock him off. That he was going to pop him right was, there. I thought that was really cool. Um, I, I really, I will say if they would have stuck more to the flashback aspect of things, I liked that story building. I, I hated the middle again, the whole park scene with Lindsay Wallace why is she going to the ER all bloody? Michael didn't even touch her. She was hiding under a bridge. I th- I think Why? something I think Must something was cut. cut there. Something had to have been cut because she looks no fine sin. when she's hiding. Yeah. And then when they find her, she's covered in dirt and her hair's like all wet. Bloody. I'm like, what were you doing for that time? Yeah. You know, it, and how it, like how long like was she? Bloody there? and they're rushing her in. It's an emergency. I'm like, is it though? Like, if it's such an emergency, why are we sitting here talking in the car about how we used to, you know, uh dare each other to go touch the house if it's an emergency get the fuck to the hospital get her over there what? No, don't what? be reminiscing yeah that's what, that, I, that's what I mean like, like the, these beats that are there to kind of they're there for our benefit not for the story's benefit this is exactly. like with tommy's speech in the pub 
like when he's recounting what happened and stuff like we all know that yeah what, what's yeah. the point of telling these people who don't know or don't care and it's so cringy over the top i mean it's, like and he just michael anthony michael hall is a good actor i'm not going to sit here and he die on the hill and say he's bad but again the guy never blinks in the movie he just has this like he feels like a manic guy the whole movie he just feels like he has this tension and he's manic and he's like Grah! he's just like ready to kill somebody luckily michael's in town because he wants to kill somebody it's just like i didn't get it i didn't like it um the legacy characters i felt i felt this movie was lazy because they're like hey we're giving you legacy characters what more could you want what more could you want? i was like i want a little Death. you have these they're all good actors give him something to do yeah or you literally know, like, go hey hey anthony i really like that you're like building the intensity but let's bring it down a little man like, let's bring it down just a little bit <laughs> yeah let's watch the original first yeah. and kind of if the writing couldn't change at least i'm sure i don't know if he went back and looked at what um, brian andrews did with the uh the original the original tommy like just maybe copy some characteristics from him. i didn't see any it did not seem believable to me that that he was the same person <laughs> and that's you know in general you know the phrase um the sniff test, like it doesn't pass the sniff test where it just, <laughs> yes. you, you watch something you're like, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. It doesn't seem a little bad. I could tell it's doesn't yeah. smell right. Not like bad. that was the whole movie. Like for example, little John, you know, he knows that is his husband's being attacked. He goes like, never mind the fact they're still in the house, knowing that someone else is in there and it's not a child as they say. Yeah. He goes upstairs, finds his husband with his eyes ripped out he has a moment with him, looks up and sees Michael Myers. Does he grab his phone and book the fuck out of the house? No. no. He stands up and says, Michael, you've come home. You've come home. And then just allows himself to be taken care of as well. Now, I, you know, who am I to say what I would do in that moment? But just logic would tell me I wouldn't stick around to see who it was necessarily. I'd be out the door. It's fight or flight. You know, you do one of them. You do one of them. And he just, and like, if they had maybe, like, hinted that this character had, like, you know, this kind of overriding fascination with Michael and that he wanted to meet him someday or something twisted like that, that would make sense. But they don't do that. They, they you know, when or he knows Michael that- would have stabbed little John in the, you know, armpit, which I thought was kind of cool, but stabbed him in the armpit and he's trying to save him. And then Michael's like, there's like, oh, shit, it's Michael. But he doesn't want to leave his, you know, husband, or I guess they never define if they're married, but they're a couple. Save his significant other, you know, that would make sense. But he's clearly dead, like you say. He got his eyeballs popped out with thumbs. Like, what? What? So, I mean, he's dead. Like, why are you just going to sit there and take it to? That's what Robbie and I are trying to hit home on this. It's just, I'll be honest. The more we talk about it, it just kind of feels lazy. Like a lot of the details weren't ironed out. Like in 2018, they did their best and ironed a lot of details out. It wasn't this messy and it didn't feel lazy or rushed. It just felt like there was some stuff that just wasn't for me. This just feels like laziness. In my opinion, my opinion, that's just me. They're like, we're going to give them brutal kills. We're going to bring nostalgia people back and we can do whatever the fuck we want. No one will complain about it. That's exactly what it seems like. The Robbie, (laughs) but that—that's what it seems like. It doesn't seem like they gave a lot of these story elements much thought beyond they want kills, they want nostalgia. That's it. Everything else they won't really notice. Like you know, Allison knowing that uh, you know, Lonnie goes into the house near the end. Within literally about thirty seconds, they hear a gunshot. So either he's seen something or he himself is gone. 
Cameron and Allison go in on full, on high alert. She finds dead bodies. Does she raise her gun and prepare to shoot something if something's around the corner? No, she drops the gun and goes to retrieve a knife from Little John, which is in his stomach. Why? Like things like that. I'm just like, no human being would do that. I I totally agree. There's just a lot of stuff in here that's just kind of like messy and I'm not trying to like judge or project on anybody who likes this movie but I think the people that like it are like hey fucking Sheriff Brackett's back oh god damn did you see that kill did you see that man Michael's awesome yeah you're absolutely right but you can have all those things and still make a good yeah. movie and you that, know that's, what I mean yeah, that's, that's... I think that's why it frustrates me this movie and that's why I say I'm disappointed because I get this greatness and then like just technically they just like Act like it doesn't matter. Like, well, we're giving you greatness and Michael and nostalgia, so we don't have to do those things. Well, no, you do. Like for me, you do. Like, uh, I don't. I don't want to feel like an idiot watching a movie. And like, exactly. And the thing is, when you like, if we're getting really down to the core of of the argument, the original Halloween was always meant to stand alone because, as Carpenter himself has said many times, Michael is a simple character. He's pure evil. Yep. He doesn't have dynamics. He doesn't have a, much of a personality. He's got like a little bit of a childlike curiosity to him, but that's about it. When he, when Loomis shoots him six times and he falls off the balcony and he disappears, the, that notion was not meant to establish, oh, here comes a sequel. It was meant to establish you can't kill evil. Yeah. You can, you can pacify it for a little bit. You can nullify it. But evil will always be there, and it will be everywhere. It'll always be around us. Um, and so, here we have like this kind of like overblown, overstuffed movie, and it just seems so antithetical to what the point of the original was to begin with. And like you said, 2018, not perfect by any means, but it had maybe a quarter of the things going on, yeah, and it and it know. and it managed to kind of sort of iron them out. Here, it's just it's too much. It's sloppy. It's yeah, all the, whole the, movie, the whole movie has Tommy Doyle's manic energy. I don't know how you felt about that, but like, it's just like, there's like this just manic tension in it. And I just, I don't know. I just, I really hated the execution of the riot scene in the hospital. I really, really hated that. It was really yeah, bad. I, and like, what, like, bad. like cast, if you're going to do that, if you're really going to go for that, number one, don't waste 10 to 15 minutes of precious screen time on that subplot yes because it's just not worth it but also if you're really going to expect me to believe that a bunch of people who a lot of whom i i can only assume don't really know who michael myers even is like name might not mean anything to him if they're just going to go sick some guy like cast someone who perhaps more physically resembles michael (laughs) yeah yeah that was another thing i was like this guy looks like danny devito penguin the penguin yeah yeah and i'm not trying to be rude or anything but you're absolutely right like if somebody if they were like oh that guy's a killer i'd be like well he's gonna be easy to take out like at least michael for being old in this movie has intimidating stature he has a very you know i don't know i just there's a lot of stuff in here that just rubs me the wrong way i'm hoping halloween kills kind of like puts it to bed and this thing was just lack of a better term closer to a cash grab than anything um but i still i don't i don't like it as much as halloween 2018 in my opinion i i think there's too many problems with the film itself i love the kills i love michael i think the nostalgia is great i think the score is amazing but the film itself is just way too technically sloppy in my opinion that's 
That's my opinion. So I'd rather watch 2018. That's just me. Um, but hey, I I don't hate on people for hating this movie because I don't think it's bad by any means. I'm not trying to say this is the curse of Michael Myers or Halloween Resurrection. It's not that level of bad. It's just when you see potential and it's so easily unfulfilled, it's frustrating and disappointing. And that's where my reaction comes from this movie. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that, you know, it's it's heartbreaking how close they were to really nailing it. Um, if there was maybe one additional screenwriter in the room to kind of keep everyone's ideas in check. Um, but yeah, I do love the, I love the cinematography. I love the vibe that it gives me. I love the score. The nostalgia, the flashbacks are beautifully done. I love some of the performances. Uh, Jamie Lee, Judy Greer gets some nice moments as Karen, even though the character yeah. is just all over the place makes no sense whatsoever if she th- she keeps saying michael's coming here you don't understand he's he's after my my mother and yet in the same breath she's telling allison you have to stay here with your grandmother yeah if yeah. I, I would say no, no 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 get my daughter out of here we're going to we're going to chicago we're going somewhere yeah. else in illinois we're leaving haddonfield right now and lock, and lock my mom in solitary confinement right right like you, the movie's trying to have it all these different ways and we haven't even gotten into the revelation that Hawkins gives, which is no, no, no. And also Allison, Allison and Hawkins have this kind of crucial information that they don't share until the last uh-huh. reel, which is yeah. Michael never wanted Lori, which we knew. Yeah. We knew from 2018 that the only reason why they ever faced off was because Sartain literally drove them to Lori's house. Somehow he knew where she lived. And that's why that showdown took place. And that's a great point because literally there's that scene where she's like, where do you think you're going? I'm going to go hunt him. Well, he's coming here. You need to stay with your grandma. At that point, why wouldn't Allison go, no, the doctor drove us there. He's not coming for grandma. Yeah, she doesn't tell and anyone just, about that except goes, for- Oh, you're right. Rumpf. It's like, no, you know. You fucking know. You were in the fucking car with Dr. Satan. It, it, <sighs> moments like that where it's just like, if I were Andy Matichek, uh, who has uh, you know also some good moments and like- She's also sidelined for most of it as well. I would have been like, David, I have a question. Why don't I say here? No, 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 mom, you don't get it. Dr. Sartain is the only reason why any of this is happening. Uh, It just, it wouldn't make sense. I have a conspiracy theory. Um, Let's go down this rabbit hole real quick. Do you think this movie had a lot of reshoots? Because I sure do. I think, Hmm. I mean, we're talking about the Lindsay Wallace thing. We're talking about that right there. Maybe she didn't bring that up for the simple fact that it was kind of reshot and re-edited. You know what I mean? Maybe at that point, Allison wasn't supposed to know. Maybe when the you know, the sheriff tells her it's later on in the movie. I don't know. I think I think half the manic energy and stuff from this kind of feels to me like they shot a movie, viewed test people viewed it, and they like went and like tinkered with it. That's that's how I feel. I have no proof of this, people. That's just how I feel about it. When I've seen movies that are this like manic and kind of all over the place. That's usually what happens with them is like they cut a lot out or they like reshoot something or just splice it together the best they can. So that's a theory of mine. So don't be surprised hmm. if in a couple of years, David Gordon Green or after Halloween ends comes out, he's like, yeah, Halloween kills. You know, we had to reshoot this and reshoot that and we cut this. And so uh, that would not surprise me. I have no idea if that's true, but I don't know. how do you feel about that? Well, I know that the that 2018 had some reshoots. I'm curious what those reshoots were. Did they involve Sartain? Did they involve elements that we had a, an issue with anyway? Did it help the movie in any way? With this one, it seemed like they were just rushed a little bit. 
you know, had, had they known that they would have a pandemic to kind of get things under control, I wonder if they would have taken more time with the screenplay. Because what it seems to me is that just if you're just looking at the ink on the paper, the dialogue, the themes, uh, the the lo- the internal logic of the characters and the plot, it seems like they knew how they wanted to move, the, how they wanted the film to end. Um, and I think the ending uh, is the only thing that was changed since the initial screenings, and we'll get to that in a second. But I, be- but it seems like they had the ending in mind, and they were willing to move all the chess pieces any way that they could to make that happen. So it's yes. almost like reverse engineering. Yeah, and and they're like, logic be damned, the characters will end here on page 140. Yep. You know, and if the a, logic yeah. doesn't make sense, we'll give them a brutal kill or we'll have Sherrod Brackett say everyone's entitled to one good scare. Which, and we'll forget that shit. You know ex- what I mean? Exactly, exactly. But They're I know, I know. I'm, I'm too pretentious. I know these things. I see these things. Like <laughs> that, That's just me. That's just me. Well, no, you're right. But like nostalgia, it can be wonderful. And like the, the flashback was nostalgic enough, even though they didn't quote anything from the original. They didn't have any lines. Why would Sheriff Brackett in that moment say that when that was an aside to Lori 40 years ago that I guarantee he doesn't remember saying that. <laughs> why would he say that then? If not, if the only reason why he said it is because Danny McBride, I'm sure week two into screenwriting was like, he's got to say it. And no one was like, well, why? Well, cause it's cool. Okay. We'll put it in there. He could have said, you know, this is for Annie or something, something more meaningful, yeah. Uh, but no, no he had I totally to agree. say that's that. A great point. I didn't think of that. That should have been. That's should have what he said. Should have said is you know you took my daughter and I'm here to take you like something like that. I just thought of that off the top of my head and that's way better like than something like you said out of left field that is clearly just nostalgia porn and that's exactly. all exactly nostalgia porn. You said at the beginning and like, you're so right. And that's what it is. It's it's like dirty and gross. They're just doing it to do it. You know what I mean? That's why I call it nostalgia porn. Is like. Is there substance or are we just doing this to like get off on our nostalgia of it? And that's how I felt with most of the stuff is it was just here to get us off on our nostalgia and just like keep us distracted from how convoluted it was. Like you said, on the ink and paper, which if you don't have that, it's hard to save a movie. And I I think they did the best with what they could, to be honest with you. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think it needed another rewrite. I think it needed some, it needed people like you and I to sit there and like, point out the logic flaws and then we could have had a very solid movie in my opinion how you fix this thing you cut it down and kiss baby keep it simple stupid don't <laughs> yes. try to don't try to overthink yourself man you know keep it to the flashbacks give us more Lorian hawkins give us those brutal kills i would have rather had a movie people be like oh this shit's fucking boring i hated it it probably would have been a way better movie i think they felt the pressure from 2018 where people were saying that and they're like oh you think our halloween's boring watch this hold my beer and just have michael go fucking bonkers and like be as brutal as possible which i'm all here for i fucking loved it i just i told you earlier there's my favorite michael ever probably i loved it i loved everything about it but i'm not going to sit there and watch an hour and 45 minutes of a bad movie just to see some good kills. I'll wait for the YouTube compilation. Yeah. Now I, I think that's such so a, and I saw a, uh, a Twitter post just before this actually, which is like someone was saying, you know, I guarantee those who are shit talking Halloween kills now in a few years, they're going to be calling it a masterpiece. And I responded, I was like, actually, I think it's the opposite. I feel yeah, like the I more agree. people really watch this and like all the, fl- all the holes in the script jump out it's probably going to be doing worse upon rewatch. It did for me, at least. The um, only thing that could be its saving grace 
is if all those holes get plugged up in Halloween ends and I go, okay, I understand. This makes sense now. But I find that very hard to believe that some of this stuff's going to get plugged up. And especially with some of the news coming out, David Gordon Green saying we're going to talk about politics and the coronavirus. Why? What? We don't want to think about that right now. This is our escape. You know, we don't, we're coming out of that. Well, hell, I mean, not really, but why, why would you put that in there? We've got a foot out of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why would we even talk? We want to leave that in the past and like move forward as a society. Why would we bring that up? I know. Why would you you say it now? It's just, it doesn't work. Yeah. He just, he's putting his foot in his mouth a little too much on it. Um, So I, I don't know. I just, and a lot of people are going to be like, oh, so you hated it. It's like, no, I really didn't hate it. It's just, I like 2018 so much, and this one has so much potential and things I liked. It's just for every one step forward it took, it felt like three back. Like they did three things. I was like, well, great. Now I'm behind the line again. Like that's how I felt throughout the whole movie. Yeah, and I can imagine some people listening to it who liked uh, Halloween Kills listening to it right now. I can see their faces right now. Guys, I, I we – I don't think I can speak for both of us. Neither of us hated it. No, we, I did we not just, hate it. we, you know, there, we talked about a lot that we appreciated about it. There's there, you know, I had a good time watching it both times. It's just, you know, when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, what we, in the moment, those visceral thrills, the kills, the suspense, it's all well and good. When you walk away from it, that is when all these things jump out. Yeah, you know all the all the logic that just isn't there. Those those moments that really strain your credibility. And you're like, I should I don't want to leave a movie like this feeling entertained and fulfilled and walk away being like, wait, hang on a minute, and then have a list of things that just don't add up. I I totally agree. I think I l- let me put it this way, people. I'm still very excited for Halloween Ends. I'm very excited for it. I really am. Um, this, this movie did not like sway my opinion on how excited I still am for it. Um, I think what this movie did for me is just made me realize like, oh, they clearly wrote this as a trilogy and this is the filler backstory movie. It's just kind of strange storytelling when 2018, like really didn't have any background really. It was just kind of like trying to introduce us and get us into the new reboot. And then now here we are at the second movie and they're like, well, now we'll tell you the story and how we want it to go. It's kind of like, man, like, ugh, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Just a little indifferent, disappointed. Um, do you have anything else on it? Cause I'm really not trying to tear it apart. Like it's a piece of shit. Cause it's not, it's good. I, I think, I think I've gotten everything out of the way. Um, yeah. Let's see. No, I think that, I think we've, we've touched, we've at least, glided over everything that we wanted to say about it at least the big bullet points the big ones if done. we can we can do like one of these days we'll do like a maybe like a watch commentary where we'll be like what what is oh this or God. that was cool yeah. and we'll you know at when it's in front of us we can be like more positive about it yes, but because there are a lot of slick stuff in it there is a lot of stuff and again i it may be it doesn't seem like i had a lot on my love list but they were three really big things for me that i loved about it that's another reason i don't hate it um, but for the real OGs of the show, um, if you guys remember, I used to rate stuff as severed heads. I didn't give stars here. This is killing time. So the more severed heads you get, the better, because we're all here for the body count. <laughs> Do you want to put a hard rating on this movie? You want me to go first with my rating on it? Let's see. We're in the top is five severed heads. 
We can do five or ten, either way. What what would you prefer to do? Because I I have it written either way because I forgot to ask you. Oh, um, let's see. I'll do five. Um, okay. I would give Halloween Kills two severed heads and maybe a jaw out of five. <laughs> and a jaw. Maybe, maybe a tooth. We'll, we'll see. I'm in, I'm in the exact same boat. I gave it two and a half severed heads. I think it's a... I think it does some things very well, and I think it does some things very poorly, making it an average movie. I think that's what it is. Um, I think the people that really like it really enjoy Slasher for what Slasher is. They're, you know, they're not pretentious kind of like us. You know what I mean? Like where we watch the Slasher and we like the art form and we like the writing. We love the performances. We see it as a movie, not just like an escape. Some people really just want to go see a Slasher movie, see some brutal kills and see a nostalgic character. That's fine, people. And that, that's if great, you, too. If, if you like this movie, we're not saying you're a lesser person than us. We're just saying we were so excited for Well, maybe I shouldn't speak for you. I was so excited for it that disappointment is all I feel for it because it was, if anything, an average movie. I think I give it two and a half severed heads. I think it's an average movie. Um, maybe that goes up after Halloween Ends comes out. But I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't know what to say. I have nothing more on this. I, I, I know I know what to say. Evil dies tonight. Evil okay. dies tonight. <laughs> no, uh, Julian, no. it dies tonight. <laughs> Evil dies tonight. <laughs> I don't I don't know what to say. And I, forty years ago, <laughs> he stared out his bed. Whatever the line is. No, I, I I agree with you. I think it's a it's a dark film. It's a bold film. It's brazen. It's nihilistic. It's it's it just makes you it makes you feel things which so few horror movies do these days, but it's ultimately extremely frustrating. And yes. I just I'll, I'll be it I'll be there opening that on Halloween ends. Maybe I'll see the if, if they're lucky I'll see the Thursday you know pre screening or whatever. But um, I just I don't know how it can recover from that. But I'll just still tell be there. The, just tell the audience I did not lie to you because I came out of it. What was it Thursday night I think too, and I wrote you I was like you have to see it. It's fucking crazy this movie's nuts man you you were not yeah you were you were not kidding i was like i don't know what i just saw i really don't really know what i just experienced which again i will say i'd rather have that than a cut and dry you know exact same movie cookie cutter and it's like well why at least like you said it's brazen it's brash it took risk i think it wasn't the risk stuff that i didn't like it was the execution if they could have cleaned that shit up we'd be sitting here at like a very, very good movie. It's the tech technical stuff that really gets it in my opinion. Absolutely. I don't, I don't mind on principle that a lot of the legacy characters get it for instance, but it just felt like a waste when you have talented actors and give them nothing of variety to do. They're you know? literally here for the slaughter. They're, li- they're, they're cows they, to slaughter, which feels very cynical. Felt like cattle, cattle in line and they were just killing them one by one. That's how it felt. I hate to be that way, but it did. Halloween kills, average, disappointing, indifferent. Those are my words to describe it. How would you describe it? I know you gave it two and a jaw on severed heads. Some words to describe it from Robbie. Uh, let's see. I, again, like bold, brazen, beautifully filmed, some good, decent performances, brutal violence, uh, ridiculous at the nitty, at the at the macro, at the micro level, I should say. Um, the lines, the dialogue, the themes, uh, the execution of the script was just, just didn't hit it. 
Well, man, I really appreciate you coming on. You know how much I love talking to you. And that's one of the reasons I got so passionate about this movie is because I feel I can be myself around you. So I, I love it, man. I, I hope Halloween ends really kind of ties it all together and we can kind of maybe stick our foot in our mouth, but Halloween kills. I mean, I, I felt like it was a swing for the fence and the ball just didn't leave the park. You know what I mean? It was just a fly out. It was like, Oh, okay. I saw that. It's not a big deal, but yeah. But if anything, it gave me a chance to talk to Robbie, who's a great guest. Please go follow him at Robbie Horror um, and go check his website out. What's your website again? I always forget and I feel horrible about it. No, no, it's uh, RobbieHorror.com. That's one word, R-O-B-B-Y Horror.com. And on Instagram at Robbie underscore Horror. So uh, you come by and see me. Go follow him. And we are going to do the Scream movies. I think we're going to do a little different. I think we're going to – the trailer dropped, so we're not going to go much longer on this. But, hell, we might even do a quick episode where we react to a trailer. Who fucking knows? (laughs) Uh, But I think we're going to break it up, people, into each movie gets its own episode. Uh, I love the Halloween one we did, but I think it will be easier to digest if we do them movie by movie for episode and that again comes from our great guest robbie that was his idea but anyway guys if i have one final thing to say about halloween kills see it for yourself make your own opinion it's a polarizing film it's a love hate movie there's not much in between here go to the theater and see it absolutely the best parts of it are deserve to be seen and heard on the big screen if anything there are some good pop-out parts and the and michael is great to see on the big screen so but other than that, watch, watch scary movies, keep supporting the genre, people, and, you know, stay scary, people. <laughs>